Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. this is Dumbly Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. On the red corner, you've got me, the Rioka Shocker, Royfield Brown, in the blue, sporting her biker jacket. It's the Dirty Cow. Rosie Porty. And making up this fight club, sadly, we don't have Brad Pitt, but he's anyone's for a saucy fry. If you keep his bacon warm, it's... Quentin Rayner. And as ever, you, our lovely listeners, have a ringside seat to this Punch and Judy show. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Rob Pushkin. And on this week's episode, we have views from Witherspoon, Cheryl, so good she sent him two, but we're only using a second call, Claire from Clapham, Natalie, Mia, Emily, and our Isabel. She's back. But first, it's Amber's week that was Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on This Week in Ambridge... Ambridge is in a state of mourning. No jokes to be made on this matter. Yes, I am talking about the mysterious cancellation of the mystery play, which has hit the village hard. In a moment of pure listening catharsis for the entire nation, Jazza, Tez Jade, a character so repellent that I cannot describe her without ceaseless retching, a whole new one. Disgusting pasta trick, fine. Bad word about our gym, get off my airways. In a moment I will gladly suspend disbelief for, the Beechwood property has not been seized and Helen, Lee and the boys are able to move in and rent it. Lovely. Pure lovely. Kate's true motives and interests are revealed. Machiavellian streaks are plenty, Kate's consistent prioritisation of her yurts and hippie shit over and above both her parents' literal home and her daughter's budding business venture would be impressive if it weren't so narcissistic and shallow. And that was the week in Ambridge. Amber, 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 thank you for that. Now, folks, we have trailer load of calls. So we're going to crack on. But just before uh, we, set, we we do that, Rosie, how's the internet? Is it any good? It's awesome. It's clear. It's working. Unlike yesterday. So my Wi-Fi just basically ran away from me. It's a plot from Audrey in Ambridge to ruin my life. But, you know, prompt, for, but following my mea culpa on Twitter, as Jim would say, we had a bit of a saucy message, didn't we, Quentin? I'm, I'm still in a lava about it, actually, uh, I... Rosie. Yeah, um, <laughs> perhaps we ought to explain, Rosie. So you, you went on the Facebook and you said, sorry, folks, we've had to postpone the recording. 
And then what happened? Well, and then, Quentin, you said that you were primed and ready. Oh, yeah. I, I, said, I said I was all primed. All primed, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. And then what happened? And then uh, a lady called Joe Edwards wrote in to say, I'll have to have my bath tomorrow now. I'd like to listen to you naked and slathered in radox. My, my, work, my work is done. <laughs> That's a saucy way of using slathered, isn't it? I shall never look at a bottle of radox in the same way. But um, as I said on Facebook, it, it's, it's, um, it's that sort of feedback that we live for, isn't it, Rosie? Absolutely. If anybody else wants to get in touch about their slathering, please do on Facebook. Uh, or on the yeah. website. Yes, so our thanks to you, Joe Edwards, for, <clears throat> for a bit of sauciness during, during the week. We all needed it. So if, like Joe, you would like to provide, provide us with some feedback, um, you can get in touch with us on SpeakPipe on the website, which is dumtydum.com, or leave a WhatsApp note of no longer than two minutes, please, to 07957 167 696. And if you're outside the UK, please add a plus 44. So that's plus 44 7957 167 696 if you're outside the UK. Obviously, some people prefer not to actually leave a, a be a caller in or a, they prefer to uh, tap the old keyboard. So if you prefer to email, then also head to dumptydum.com and click contact us and your beautifully crafted missive will land in our inbox. Hello, Ambridge3962. As is our want on this international show, we start in Brittany. It's Natalie. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Natalie. I'm a French national from Dino in Brittany. I've been living in England for about 15 years now. Uh, I'm in Torquay, in Devon. I met the archers through a housemate at the time, about 12 years ago, and she's now a dear friend. And she's half Swedish and half British, so the archers is very international indeed. And uh, it was a half sort of... It was a, a slow burner, really, for me. Um, but really, what got me hooked was the Helen and Rob Titchener storyline. Um, it really happened when I was suffering a lot from migraines, and I took to listening to radio dramas quite a lot. Um, and I have a couple of friends with whom I speak about the archers. However, on the whole, I say that it's pretty much something I enjoy solo through social media and your podcast. I enjoyed the mention of Marianne and the parish council last week, although I'm not sure if Emma is a Marianne, but to each their own. And from another French point of view, I always find it quite funny when the characters such as Linda or Brian use French phrases such as piquant and mise-en-scene and um, Evangeline used c'est moi and non de plume, which I thought was funny. On the whole, I'm glad the modern slavery storyline is over, as it was getting me down. I do feel very sorry for Kirsty. I don't think she's fully processed the extent of the earthquake in her life yet. Um, she hasn't gone through the grieving process of it all. Unless she didn't really love Philip, and she'd sort of settled for him, which I kind of suspected a bit somehow. But time will tell. I really want her to come into her own and find happiness and fulfillment. Anyway, that's me for now. Au revoir. So wonderful hearing uh, those dulcet tones, uh, which haven't really been tempered by spending time in Torquay. And great that we have two Brittany people, because obviously we have Jacqueline Berteau as well. I think it's Natalie was really echoing this feel about Kirsty and that we really want her to find her métier. We want her to be happy and we want her to move forward with her life and experience fulfillment, hopefully doing some wildlife you know, consultancy, uh, maybe um, with Patrick from the Wildlife Trust, or in fact, you could take over the rewilding and just have a happy, fulfilled life. And she doesn't need to worry about men that like Christmas lights and keeping indentured people. Um, but Quentin, <laughs> I, I know that you lo would, would love to talk more about French ladies speaking English. To maintain the saucy theme, I think you're right. Uh, well, I should say uh, bienvenue to Natalie for calling in. Um, lovely to hear from you. Uh, and 
listener for 12 years, very impressed. Um, yes, um, I could listen to French women speaking English all day, to be honest. I think that'll be a fantastic podcasting um, idea for you, Natalie. So crack on with that, but make sure you keep listening to Dumpty Dum. Um, she said that she uh, was listening initially uh, when she was going through a period of having uh, uh, migraines, uh, migraines rather. Um, my first thought was that you would have thought the archers would have made them even worse, but uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for battling through that. Um, she is feeling sorry for Kirsty, uh, and she wants her, as you said, Rosie, to find a, a, a purpose in life, to find fulfilment. Of course, Helen's big idea is this conservation consultancy, but I was interested by a post from Hannah Elizabeth Coyle on our Facebook page. And she has pointed out that uh, it is a nightmare to get into conservation. She says, I did a biology de degree. I got a first and a placement year in conservation research, as well as voluntary work with the RSPB. And I still couldn't get a conservation job. So it does make you wonder that this idea from Helen um, is not in the real world. It's probably unrealistic, given that Kirsty doesn't have very many qualifications in that area. Mm. Um, I was also kind of struck by her call when she said that Kirsty didn't really love Phil and she settled. And I'm caught between two stones on that. I I was really struck um, listening to her talk to Helen that there did seem to be some level of she did love this man and but she just got him so completely and utterly wrong. However, without that conversation, I would have said that she completely did settle. You know, she was uh, completely sausage boy, had her heart. But she looked at Philip as somebody who could provide uh, this future for her and was somebody who was much more grounded uh, than than old sausage, than the Sausage King. But, so, but uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I did, It really made me think. It really made me think. So, so, so I, I, I don't know. But what we did here uh, last week was her having real mental anguish and admitting that she was all at sea, something which we talked about on the podcast ad nauseum, saying that, you know, she hasn't been processing this correctly at all. So at least this felt correct, um, her conversation with Helen and just Kirsty just being all over the gaff. Kirsty did have one of the best lines of the week, though, didn't she, about Brad Pitt, I thought. When she was returning the slow cooker, she said, Jennifer Anderson gave everything away to charity when she got divorced from Brad Pitt. Not that Philip is Brad Pitt. Not that Brad Pitt is a gangmaster. <laughs> I, I did not. It was great. That was a funny line. <laughs> uh, and, and just while, whilst we're here, Andy Hockley, who played Philip. If you go over onto the YouTubes, folks, and if you type in Dum De Dum, you will see our interview with him. It's It's been r rather popular. He was a, a really popular, avuncular guest. And uh, we will put up the podcast version of that soon. Uh, but um, go watch it on YouTube. You can see him in all of his glory. He was a proper good sort. So from Torquay, which is where I remember, I, I went uh, and had a holiday in 1978 with Mara and Pa. And as a nine-year-old, I wet the bed. The shame, the shame. It happened in Torquay. Anyway, 25 quid new mattress. My dad to this day, uh, once a year, will say, bloody holiday in Torquay. Cost me 25 quid new mattress. Anyway, moving on from that. It's our Isabel. Hi, this is my second calling. And this week, I'll tell you my thoughts on Ambridge from this week. Anyway, so on Monday, Jade's birthday, I thought it was going to go really well. Like, she really liked the biker jacket. And I thought she really liked the bath stuff as well. But turns out she didn't. I think she really overreacted to that. I mean, if I got bath stuff... I wouldn't think I was dirty. I'd just think, bath stuff, that's nice. All, all girls get bath stuff. Yeah, but anyway, enough about that. Alice, on Tuesday, when Brian bought her that Rioja, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. When Alice took it, I was like, no, 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 not now, not now. She's been going without alcohol for so long. Why give it up now? I thought, she's drunk it for sure. And from what I hear today, she didn't drink it on Tuesday, but she did drink it on Wednesday. I thought Chris was going to split up with her on Wednesday because he went to go out 
get and get, go and get the formula. I thought, all right, he's, he's not going to sleep there tonight. He's going to sleep at his mum's or something. So I'm glad they're still together for now. I think parish council shenanigans, Emma would make a good parish council chair. I mean, I don't know what this Audrey's like. I don't know whether she'd make a good chair or not. But judging by the things I've heard about Hillary Noakes, she'd make a rubbish chair. So I wish Emma would step up and elect, sign up for elections. That's all. And good luck for Tuesday. Isabel speaking for the nation there. Isabel Noakes, bad. <laughs> Emma, good. <laughs> rubbish chair. Yeah. She's straight in there and I love Isabel's accent. I'm sensing she's from the northwest of England where I spent many happy years as a teenager. Then the only thing I would really really bring out is that hilarious line around um if I was given bath salts or bath products I wouldn't think I was dirty. And I completely agree. Like if someone gives you a lovely beautiful hamper of smellies you just take it and you say thank you. But, but Quentin, I mean, do you do you often get given a, a Radox rub down or anything like that after your <laughs> cycling trips? I'd, li- I'd like a, a Radox rub down um, after a cycling trip, maybe from R. Joe Edwards. You never know. Um, yes, she says she was upset when Brian gave Alice the bottle of Rioja and she's cried at the radio, shouted at the radio, don't do it, as we all did. But of course, it was explained later in the week why she did it, because she... She said she can't help herself. She thinks she she thought she could uh, just have one drink, pour the rest down the sink and so forth. There's a voice in her head that keeps wanting her to have a drink. Um, so that was ex- explained later, but I understand Isabel's visceral reaction to that. And um, yes, the Paris Council shenanigans. So yes, agreed that Hillary Noakes is, would make a rubbish chair and that... Uh, um, we also have Audrey Fisher, who is Jim's terrible nemesis. So we do need, don't we, Emma, to save the day. And I think we need the cavalry to to rush in on this in, in, the, in the shape of Jackie Weaver, who has the authority and has read the standing orders. I think we need to have Emma in place. And my one final point about this is what was that with the napkins? I mean, talk about inverse snobbery. I've never seen such a reaction by somebody as we had with Jade uh, complaining about being given, you know, using napkins at Jim's dinner party. Staggering. Dreadful woman. Worse than Hillary. Mm. <laughs> now, I'll tell you who's not dreadful. It's Emily. Hi, everyone in Dumpty Dum World. Uh, this is Emily phoning from Abu Dhabi. It's been a long time since I've been in touch. i um, been quite busy having my third little girl, who is four weeks this week. Um, just wanted to phone really and say best of luck to the new Dumpty Dum crew and good luck to Roy Fields in his new venture. Um, so Archer's chats, not really much. I mean, I've obviously found that Alice and Chris storyline quite, um, difficult to listen to, particularly given the fact that I've just had a baby. Um, I think... Uh, It was weird that Emma and Alice went out for that shopping trip without Martha. Um, I think uh, to leave your baby when they're that little is just, I just don't think it would happen when the baby's breastfed. But anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to say is ages ago, people were talking about couples. And uh, people are saying that they're trying to sort of imply that Rex and Phoebe are going to get together. I'm like, no, 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 no. Rex and Lily, that's what I'm gunning for because Rex needs a kick up the arse, which Lily will be able to do. And he needs to realise how he's actually got loads of potential and loads of opportunity and stop feeling sorry for himself. And I think she'd be great for that. Um, otherwise, I am actually on board with Tracy and Jazza even though I know people see it as an obvious coupling, but I think it'll be the making of him and it could be a really nice storyline. Anyway, there we go. Um, speak to you soon. Take care. Oh, one last thing. Um, as someone who lives abroad, I was very confused about what number to dial, so it was lucky to know I knew I had to put a plus in front of the 4-4. Four four. Cheers. Thank you so much, Emily, and congratulations on your little girl. 
that's wonderful news and thank you also for your very kind messages of good luck for all of us i think what's interesting with the uh, the rex and lily uh future i i agree i think that uh, rex and lily they get on well together he's been there for her in the past they've had conversations in the back of his cab and i honestly think that getting rid of trust would be amazing if we could just say goodbye to that self-serving grim slimy arrogant user i would just be the happiest woman in the world so bring on rex bye bye russ but quentin i know you love russ because he's terrible I, yeah <laughs> I, i'd be bereft if, if russ left because he is so delightful to just tear your hair out about really isn't he I can't see Rex. I don't know. I've always put Rex and Pip together. I always thought they would be an item, and I still do deep down. I, I don't buy Rex Phoebe. I don't think that that'll work. So I, I think ultimately it could be a Rex and a Pip going on. Do you think Lily would would reject Russ? Do you think she's really had enough of him? Who knows? We need those sort of characters in the mix, don't we? Just a just a madness, not infuriate. Just just make us mad. Um, thank you for your good wishes as well, Emily. Congratulations on your on your third girl. And uh, lovely to hear our international listeners in faraway places like Abu Dhabi. And uh, Tracy Jazza, um, early days, isn't it? It's early days, but he seem to be getting on all right. And he's had a very nice fly-up. Mm. Uh, most significant thing from Emily's call was, of course, uh, that she rebutted Philippa's suggestion that uh, people know automatically to put the plus and the 4-4 four four at, uh, at the start of uh, the number if they're outside of the UK. Here is somebody who's an international traveller, but, uh, you know, even she needed that reminder. So there you go. Up your bum, Philippa. You need to say plus 4-4. Four four. So well done, Emily. And it's lovely to hear from you after so long. Uh, now, from Abu Dhabi, we go to the upper lower east west side. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Woodspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, kudos to our brave Dumpteen Dumber who called her in last week. Well, I like to think that this 62-year-old can still act like a teen, or maybe a 20-something. How about a 40-year-old? Here's hoping for some more young caller in hers, or at least those of us young at heart and spirit. On to serious business, which means back to Alice and Chris. We weren't at all surprised by Alice's slip, given how little therapeutic intervention and support she's gotten. While Dumpty Demers cringed when she took the bottle from her dad, and we debated on Facebook whether she had actually consumed the alcohol on Wednesday evening, I for one felt empathy for her on Thursday morning. I thought Chris handled the situation poorly, but again, it's because he's received no education and counseling about what to expect. Chris thinks that Alice's inability to stop drinking is a moral failure and a failure of willpower rather than a symptom of an illness. His keeping Martha from Alice felt more like a punishment for her transgression rather than his protecting the baby. Then Alice, with all good intention, promises to never drink again. The good part of that is her recognition on some level that this is an illness. But has she ever uttered the phrase, hello, I'm Alice and I'm an alcoholic? She must learn that it's counterproductive to say she'll never drink again, but that she must wake up each morning and believe it's one day at a time. As a corollary to all this, when and how will Alice tell her family and friends that she's an alcoholic? And it must be Alice that does so, not Chris. As Royfield and Philippa chatted last week, this storyline has to continue to take a very long view of the situation. I have thought the scriptwriters have done an excellent job so far, and it's been the archers at its finest as a docudrama. Talk to you soon, maybe on a more lighthearted topic. The way that I kind of look at what's been happening is that there's such a fear of being found out. So there's a lot of lying going on in Ambridge at the minute, and it all comes back to, to shame. Alice is terrified of being outed as an alcoholic and she's asked Chris to keep her secret. Chris has spoken to people but has sworn them to secrecy. And also Peggy, 
has been malevolent in her guidance. Peggy told Chris that if the worst came to the worst, he should leave Alice and take baby Martha with him. And I wasn't expecting that sort of denouement when Chris basically wrested Martha away from Alice's bare breasts and took her away for the whole evening. And I thought that it was all down to Peggy because she told him that he has the right to to basically take his daughter away from Alice. So I think it's being heartbreakingly well-written. I think it is being managed in in an accurate way. Uh, I know there's a lot of um, disagreement out there as to kind of how the storyline is developing and whether the archer should even be approaching this subject. And a lot of people find it such a hard listen and actually want to just turn it off. But I, I really admire the script writers for being so brave and tackling this. And and in reality, these situations don't fix themselves overnight. But I really wish that Alice would seek some professional help um, and reach out to somebody. Um, But Quentin, I know you're finding it a hard listen at the minute. Yes. I mean, I've I've expressed on the podcast that from a dramatic point of view, day in, day out, it's a grim, tough listen. Um, In terms of a dramatic story, I can see why it's compelling as well. But I accept that it's one of those storylines that has to play out in real time. So this is going to be a, a, a long burn. And um, we're just going to have to accept it and grim and bear it and hope that she actually gets the help. Well, they both get the help that they need. But I think that the key thing is there's a real groundswell of opinion growing up, uh, building on the Facebook page, on Twitter, on all the platforms here, for goodness sake, it's time to tell the wider family. And the problem with that is what you've just said, Rosie, is that the block to that is Alice. I, you know, she's, our caller in her is a suggestion she needs to tell her family. It shouldn't be coming from Chris. But I don't think she's prepared to do that because of shame. And I think the dam is going to be burst by either Peggy spilling the beans to Jennifer and Brian, or Chris spilling the beans perhaps to his side of the family first. But it has to happen if if there's going to be any solution or progress in this, because talking to her uh, her buddy, her detox buddy, I think it's Lily, is it? Um, Lisa. Sorry, Lisa, that's right, um, is, is not enough. She needs far more help. He needs far more help. And as Chris himself pleaded to her when he was at his most desperate, he is completely out of his depth. So that is what we all want for the wider family to be brought in. But Alice is the stumbling block there. Mm. I think Chris is also a stumbling block. I think you're correct, Quentin, up until saying that it's just Alice. Chris... um, Chris wants to project to the to the whole world that he's protecting his family in I would say a very slightly old old fashioned way. Chris is slightly old fashioned in kind of that regard. So um, for him, there's going to be shame as well. He's not the alcoholic, but the fact that he didn't spot this, that he's uh, potentially been complicit in jeopardizing the health of his newborn, etc. But then also. You know, Chris is incredibly uh, proud of of being married to Alice and she isn't the perfect uh, wife. So he so that was in part a lot of the reason why he's so turned on on his sister. Remember when when she confronted him and says, you know, your your wife is an alcoholic, and he absolutely said no. So there, there is shame um, that that both yes, but, of them feel. Yeah, but but at least Chris has told some people he has he has, but he's been which very, Alice hasn't. But 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 also think about who he has told. He hasn't told his mother and father. No, no, I agree. You know, he hasn't told the two people who could actually help the most. He, he told Harrison because Harrison's a mate, but also Harrison is the police officer forward slash social he worker. He told Peggy, he told Alan well, as well. Well, yeah, but mm. Peggy kind of kind of worked it out, to be fair. To well, be he fair. Didn't deny and then it. and then Alice and then Alan is the 
the vicar. So, you know, he, he knows it's not going to go any further. So two out of the three people who he's told, you know, it's not going to go any further because of their professional positions. When he tells his mother and father, that is completely and utterly different because they will swing in and, and actually really provide help. But, but, but anyway. Alice mm-hmm. has to tell her parents as well. True that, true that. I'm not yeah. saying that she that yeah. she doesn't, but I'm, all I'm saying is there is shame on both parts because for Chris, mm. this is admitting yes. weakness, weakness yes. and fault as well. So, and I, I just think last week was great. And I think poor Chris is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't in terms of when he took um, Martha away. Uh, that was just a natural reaction because he's just not only angry with Alice, but also um, he just wants to safeguard the child. And as Witherspoon says, he doesn't have the correct tools of, of how to react. But I think we can all kind of understand the reason why he did take the child away. But but he came back and there was somewhat of a of a softening. And um, a lot of people felt it came across, and Witherspoon mentioned that came across as a sort of punishment. It was vindictive as well. So I think it was... I think it was an element of both wanting to protect Martha and absolute rage. Mm. He wants to punish Alice. I'll, I'll be very brief on this. He wants to punish Alice for not being the perfect girl he thought he'd yeah. married. Yeah. And he sees her as damaged goods. Mm. And he doesn't understand that she is ill. And mm. he doesn't have the psychological portfolio to actually work his way through this. And I really feel for him um, and I understand why he was so angry and I understand why he didn't want um, Alice to breastfeed. But it was dangerous to do what he did. Taking a four week old baby away from her mum for 12 hours was dangerous for both Martha and for Alice. And that's what sort of struck a chord with me. But I completely understand why he's angry, mm. why he hates his wife, why he's behaving like that. Mm. But he must, you know, Alan... Alan needs to step in and have an intervention because, you know, he's actually putting his wife and daughter at risk with his behaviour. Mm. Uh, psychological portfolio. Uh, that's the second teachable uh, word of, of the whole day. Uh, that was that's awesome. Or words. Sorry. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, have you trademarked that or can I just bandy that around now and uh, talk about my lack of having a psychological portfolio? I'm going to gift that to you, Royfield, given that my my poor Wi-Fi has meant that we've delayed everything by 24 hours. So my <laughs> gift to you today is psychological portfolio. Smash it. I'm still waiting for mine, Rosie. You've got your Radox. Oh, yes. There you go. <laughs> You'd be happy with your Radox. All right. Next up, it's Mia. Hi, Royfield and all Dumpty Dum Peeps worldwide. This is Mia in Newcastle land calling. Just a few thoughts on the Chris and Alice storyline. Um, I really did feel for Alice when Brian brought round the bottle of red wine. It's just so hard when you're addicted to something to refuse it. We can all trick our minds into thinking, oh, I'll just leave it in the cupboard. Um, I'll let Chris know later on, blah, 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 whatever. But it absolutely consumes your whole thought process. Nothing else matters apart from the red wine in the cupboard. So I really do sympathise with her. I thought Chris's reaction um, in preventing Martha being breastfed while Alice was still over the limit, let's say, was completely understandable. I did think, though, that he would uh, contact Emma because she knows about, or at least she's guessed about, um, the alcoholism. And I know it was George's birthday, but Chris wasn't thinking about that. Um, but I thought he also lacked a little bit of understanding about Alice's predicament. But I think that's because he really isn't properly informed about alcoholism and all the after effects. So that needs to happen. Alice desperately needs, uh, she dearly needs greater help than her detox buddy. Is it Lisa? I thought she was a midwife, but anyway, whatever. She really needs now to have the support from her family. And I think Chris needs to urge her to confide in her family. Her family, not his. We don't want Motormouth Susan uh, shouting off all over the village. But uh, really, absolutely, she needs uh, her own family support. They're my thoughts. Hope everyone's well. Take care and have a good week. Bye. P.S. I'm off for a haircut soon. Yay! 
Yay, Mia is getting her haircut. Many people in the UK are running to the barbers and hairdressers as we speak. Um, Mia has, has got it completely spot on in terms of the, the kind of the compulsion that Alice feels and, you know, that, that Chris doesn't really understand what's happening. Um, and I, I agree that he could have reached out to Emma because Emma, you know, knows what's been happening. She's been so lovely to, to him and to Alice, you know, and she, well, she helped keep Chris calm when Martha was being born. I mean, she didn't, she's been an absolute superstar. I'm at team Emma, a hundred and a million percent. And I think that Emma would actually, she would step up and she would be there for both Alice and Chris while I, <laughs> I think Susan the motor mouth in the shop or on her radio show going, my lovely, well-spoken daughter-in-law. Oh, when she was by the side of the road, she was paralytic. Yeah, that really wouldn't go down well, would it, in, in the local community? I, I, I agree with, with, with Emma. I think she'd be a fantastic a prop to, to, to lean on, definitely, and a great support. I'm not so sure about Susan. It's, I just go, but you know, when she was very worried that people were gossiping about her, at the time when she was thinking of packing in her radio show, I was struck by how it got to her. Conversely, I think she would really button up because maybe the shame thing would kick in, but she'd hate to be the source of gossip. And, she, you know, she's had that chat with Alice in the hospital. She knows something isn't right. So I think she would be very receptive to being told, actually, Alice has a few problems. And I don't think she would spread it around the village. And I think Neil would be lovely as well. Interesting that... Mia thinks it should be Alice confiding in her family and not Chris in his because of Motormouth Susan. Um, personally, I think they should be confiding in both. So the whole wider family is there to support them in whatever way they need. But I think central to that, and Mia's right, it should and it should be Emma because she'd be fantastic in that role. And I'm very jealous, Mia, that you've managed to get a haircut. I'm having my cut on Friday and I can't wait, but I'm going to keep a bit of length. I am. I've decided. I've got a bit Italian, so I'm going to keep it. What, what, what does that mean exactly? Got a Quite bit long. Italian. Quite long, you know? You can, oh. run, run your, you can run your fingers through it, Roy, if you just know. Like a mullet. <laughs> no. it's, a, it's a bit mullety at the back there, Yes. <laughs> the front, the top's all right. <laughs> So from uh, Quentin's Capelli, he's here, we go to uh, Claire from Clapham, but not that Clapham, the one in Bedfordshire. Hi, Dum to Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. I'm going to very quickly scoot over a couple of things. One is, uh, it's been interesting to see all the discussion this week around Chris and Alice. I feel like I'm a little bit too close to the theme to have an objective opinion, so I'm going to hold far on that. The other is, um, please see Trazza back on, I think that... Um, it would have been nice to see Jazza being made to work a bit harder for it, though. It's nice when he's being all heartfelt. But I want to talk about Kate, who is you know, splendidly awful. But um, at the risk of repeating myself for anyone who was on the um, Academic Archers Saturday chat this week, um, I thought Kate, when she was suggesting moving her yurts to the rewilding land, was making what felt to be a pretty sensible business decision. Now, I entirely understand why Brian would be upset about it, and Jenny, of course, um, because obviously Kate was awful about all of that. But, um, you know, she's got a place for her yurts now that she held on to, and now they've got an opportunity to put them somewhere that looks a bit nicer and maybe a bit more in keeping with the vibe of spiritual home. Um, and she doesn't want to compete with an alternative campsite just down the road. So... I get that entirely. It feels like a not stupid business. It feels like a sensible business decision. And actually, she's Brian's daughter. Like, I don't think Brian would have hesitated for a minute to do that a couple of years after all the huff fuss if it suited him. So, you know, I don't, I mean, like, obviously Kate is awful, but I don't see why uh, we would particularly come down on, on her for that. I mean, I don't like her meddling with rewilding. I don't know her, like her annoying Phoebe. I think Phoebe doesn't give her too much kind of time, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, I think the decision to move the yurts isn't necessarily a bad business decision on her part. So anyway, keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. We're back in the land of people having a nemesis. One of the, the key issues that, that Brian has is that he's been forced to live next to Kirsty Miller, 
And Kirsty, you know, she attacked his land. She discovered that he had been polluting the am with illegal chemicals. She's challenged him on his, you know, lack of ethical behavior in relation to farming. And because of Kate and Yurtgate, Brian had to live next door to her, you know, and Jenny only had one tagine. I mean, you know. <laughs> so I think there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more to this angst from Brian uh, than meets the eye. And I honestly think that basically being forced to give up his social standing, being forced to like move house, you know, and, and the gills, where are the gills? I want to know whether the gills are actually involved in line of duty because there's some kind of crossover with, you know, OCG, Chizzes and the rest, in, in, in my informed opinion. Uh, but, but Quentin, have you seen any of the kind of line of duty crossover with the archers going on on Twitter? Mother of God. I hope not. It's, it's hard enough keeping up with, with line of duty, to be honest. Um, Claire's interesting point. She thinks Jazz has had it too easy with Tracy and I thought we were in for a right old battle, especially when we had that spat in their first meeting, crowned off with with uh, Tracy with that fantastic line saying, do one, would you? My bacon's getting cold. That was fantastic. I thought, poor, poor old Jazzy, he's going to have to work hard on this. And the next scene, they're all lovey-doveys. Weedle his way in and he's having a, a post-coital fry-up. So good on you, Jazza. So yes, he got it easy, didn't he? And we wait to see how that develops. Rewilding is, is a real problem for me. I, I, as soon as it is mentioned, I just switch off. I cannot engage with this storyline. I find it interminably boring, particularly Phoebe, who we have discussed at length on previous podcasts. So it was interesting to hear from Claire because she actually got me interested again in an aspect of rewilding. And I never really took in what Kate was saying, but I, I, it's in, it, I can see what she's suggesting that She's just being Brian's daughter, seeing a business opportunity. And you could understand his fury, of course, that they had to give up the house because Kate wouldn't sell the land to pay off the cost of poisoning the am. But from a bus purely business stance, it makes sense to get it on a, get to get her yurt on a nicer site. So thank you, Claire, for, I was going to say reigniting. That's impossible, but for just a flicker of a flame of interest in me about the rewilding project. Mm. Uh, well, I'm glad you got uh, somewhat uh, reignited when it came to uh, oh, rewilding because because I I've not I, I I've not, not at all. It's it's, just, it's it's the most turgid of, of all yeah. storylines and yeah. um, not helped by the fact that as important as it very obviously is we just don't really understand it we don't understand how it actually is really a business you know so that there is they're trying to educate us on so many different levels and it's just failing spectacularly because ultimately for me anyway there's no tension behind it you yeah. know they're just it's just plodding along and just like whatevs but anyway claire from clapper lovely to hear from you my dear uh so that's claire from clapper uh, we've rattled through caller in res. We have Cheryl, and uh, she called in once, and she went, "Oh no, Royfield, don't put that one up. I can do this even better the second time." So here's her second attempt. It's our Cheryl. Hi, Royfield, Rosie, and Quentin. It's Cheryl here, calling from Cornwall, responding this week to the vitriol I've seen written across the social media with regards to Chris and his response to Alice when she was drunk. The accusations appear to be that he's not quite the full shilling, and that it was harmful for him to have distressed Alice by not handing over Martha to her and that it's been seen as some sort of domestic abuse. On the first front, I don't think Chris is as emotionally ready to cope with the, the hard blows that he's currently taking with regards to having discovered his wife is an alcoholic and hugely deceptive. Um, but that is probably because he appears to have been brought up by a couple who are dependable and who've loved him and made him feel secure. And so he has just lived his life in a simple way where he's not expected these things to come to him. Um, so now he's having to adapt and he's having to do it whilst coming to the, the realities of, of what Alice has become and also being a new dad, the responsibilities of that, the sleepless nights, the having to go out to work during the day, not knowing what his partner's up to at home, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. So I think that he has every right to 
be angry with Alice for what she did, but but not only that, but to be able to voice that anger, I think keeping it in does nobody any favours. Uh, with regards to the distressed Alice, I don't really buy that either. She seemed absolutely blissfully unaware that she'd done anything wrong. And whilst he might have made the wrong call, he did what he thought was right for his daughter in that moment. And surely that is to be commended. Well, Cheryl, I, com- I completely understand where you're coming from. And I've also seen some fair attacks on Chris in terms of his intelligence and just think are, you know, completely wrong. This has nothing to do with someone's intellect is to do with someone's life experience as you've really well articulated and really I mean Susan has kept her family super secure after her time in prison I mean we have to remember that Susan is is somebody that has been through a shameful experience she is terrified of people knowing negative things about her family and all she's done I think is to try and keep her her kitty her kitty winks you know, in cotton wool and has been through loads of trauma with Alice. So I think as well, just really quickly, I think Chris has seen the pain that Emma's life has caused his parents and has always wanted to be the good steady one. So this current situation is absolutely horrific for him. It's unexpected. It's something that nobody is, you know, prepared for especially when you're dealing with being, you know, being a new dad. So I really do feel for Chris and I understand why he did what he, I understand why he did what he did because he had permission from Peggy. But I do think that Alice is, is, is struggling and there are just huge complexities in this storyline. And it's a super difficult um, situation to, to have an opinion on as, as, you know, as, as a listener, if one hasn't been, on that journey oneself. But I think all we can try and do is, I think, articulate our emotional feelings about the storyline, articulate how our own experiences, um, you know, play into that and, and, and hopefully be, be as kind as possible, which I may not have sounded earlier on when I was talking about Chris. So apologies if I've upset anybody with, with my views, but, but Quentin, I'm going to hand the baton over to you. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it has caused a real schism amongst the listeners. I think people are coming down one side or the other, everybody wanting the same outcome, some help, some support for, for both of them. Cheryl clearly comes down on the side of Chris unequivocally, doesn't she? She says he has every right to be angry with Alice and also has the right to voice that anger. Um, and her feeling is that by bottling it up, it doesn't do anybody any favours. I, I take a point, but equally that anger has to be managed because it's just going to make Alice even more anxious and paranoid and terrified and frightened and so forth. And of course that anxiety will then be transferred to baby Martha and you know, the spiral continues. He, he has, as I said before, he, he, he concedes he's out of his depth and that's the great tragedy of, of all this really. I think they're both out of their depths, frankly. I was struck by Stephen Bowden on Facebook by saying um, he is struck in a hideous situation that he sees as not of his own making. He's frightened and trapped by the promise that Alice extracted from him not to tell anybody. He's a decent bloke whose upbringing isn't telling him how to do the right thing by Martha and by Alice. And that ties in with what Cheryl was saying, that he was brought up in a very simple, loving, caring household. And he's... He simply did not expect these things would come to him and he'd have to deal with them. So as we've constantly said throughout this podcast, for God's sake, you lot, get over your shame because it's essential and seek that support from your wider family because there's a lot of help there. Uh, true that, true that. Uh, well said all. Now, Mrs. Mrs. Rosie P with, with your son, Burn. Do we have any electronic missives that you can read out on the podcast? We are an email-free zone this week, Royfield. What? Are, are, you, are you rapping? <laughs> no, I'm not. My name is not Philippa, even though there is a P in my Twitter handle. Ooh, all right. <laughs> well, well, there you go, folks. Um, if you're waiting for an email, uh, you're going to be disappointed, and it's probably your fault. So, um, if but it, it also per- perhaps suggests, Roy, that people are getting more confident to 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 call in. So it, it could be 
a reflection of that, which is to be applauded and encouraged, isn't it? True. You know what? You're all carrot. I'm all stick. Right. So I want to beat them. <laughs> say basically, you know, yeah, do, email beat, beat, beat them a bit. Yeah. yeah. We need we need a few emails. Come on. Yeah. A little tickle across the buttocks with, with a stick. <laughs> Maybe that's what's needed here. Uh, anyway, folks, to emailing, quite simply, you go on to dumdum.com and go on to contact us, and uh, then you just fill out an email. And I know that some people don't quite feel confident enough uh, to, to voice things uh, on a call. And, oh, my God, my voice, you know, blah, 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 blah. But you've got that option. So why don't you uh, use it next week? Uh, right. So that's. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. That now it's our Lillian. It's going to give you the social media roundup. Well, good evening, everybody. On a very snowy Sunday evening in April, it's Lillian here with this week's social media roundup. And the good news is that we have. Over 1,000 members now in the group. Well, again, it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy sort of a week, hasn't it? We've had the ill-fated birthday picnic on Monday, which saw the last, we think, we hope, of Jade. She was really rude, wasn't she, about Jim's present. We all knew, really, I think, didn't we, that she would be. But what was the good thing about that was that it helped for Jazza to see her true colours. And what struck me about that was how angry he sounded with her about what she said about Jim's present. Sandra declared that she was cheering out loud at the radio. Gosh, Sandra, I hope your neighbours weren't listening. They'll probably think you've lost the plot. But no, what she was cheering at was the fact that it looked as though Tracy and Jazza, a.k.a. Trazza, might finally be happening. Most people were quite happy about that. What people were less happy about was the situation which seems to be getting ever worse between Chris and Alice. I was absolutely convinced that she hadn't drunk the wine that Brian had got her. Turned out I was very wrong about that and a lot of people were very disappointed that she'd actually drank the wine and that she hadn't just simply fallen asleep. We should have realised, shouldn't we, that when she told Chris about the chocolates, she didn't actually tell him about the wine. So I think, unfortunately... Isabel has recently joined the group and she made what seems to have been a brilliant call in on most people seem to think her call was very insightful. So well done for that, Isabel. I put a poll up on Saturday about whether or not the archers will shoehorn in something about the death of Prince Philip. There was a mixed response to this. 
and I had a job getting the poll on anyway because I had to fight with the vagaries of the Facebook app. In terms of Helen and Lee, I think most people felt that the situation, the proposal was pretty unrealistic and a lot of people felt that Helen's hope for Kirsty's career was also a bit unrealistic given that Kirsty doesn't actually have any qualifications in the line of work that Helen was proposing she should undertake. The Alice and Chris storyline, going back to that for one moment, what about the idea of um, a christening? I think most people were absolutely flabbergasted by that, weren't they? No, I certainly was. How could she possibly think that this isn't going to cause her problems? She even mentioned the word celebrate, which implies drink. A lot of people in both groups expressed a great deal of concern around this. Well, I think that about covers everything for this month. And I shall speak to you again in a few weeks time thank you for that Lillian uh, as always tip top Bristol fashion and uh, we'll be seeing you again in May now Quentin it's that time it's yep. your time it's the time for tweets of the last seven days we haven't mentioned him yet I'd rather not mention his name but of course Lee did pop up briefly in um, this week in Ambridge so I'm afraid he gets a bit of a kicking in the tweets of the week and I don't mind about that because he does my head in. Anyway, so in third place, bronze place, with, <laughs> we have Ruth Prost, whose Twitter handle is at 23Ruthie. And she has put, Lee is so eerily banal. If he hasn't slain half the village with a curd splitter whilst dressed as action man by the end of the year, I'll be very surprised. So good on you, Ruth. That earns you bronze tweet of the week. We like that. In silver, one of our regulars who always strikes gold really with his tweets but he gets a silver this week is uh, uh, what is buddhish at at i'm buddhish and um, he's a man after my own heart in terms of the red wine we had this week and he has tweeted poor alice stuck between a rioca and a hard place <laughs> i love that <laughs> nice one and in gold's place in first position this week it goes to nick whose twitter handle is at check your sheds and he has written this. Hello, I'm Helen, and this is my partner, Lee. I make a single variety cheese for a solitary customer who isn't open at the minute, and Lee teaches eight-year-olds to punch each other in the face. We'd like a mortgage, please. <laughs> I loved that tweet when I saw it. And I also love Nick's cats. He has two beautiful cats um, who he takes on walks. So I love the tweets, and I love his cats. You just see that being played out in the bank or whatever. Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, Nick, you are our gold tweeter of the week. Smashing. Look, folks, you've just about had your dumpy dum. Uh, but just before we say tatty bye to our a bit, see you later. Uh, we need to thank some people, and uh, specifically, it's our PayPal donators. Uh, these are people that uh, give us uh, shilling, give us wonga, give us some moolah, give us their hard earned cash so that. Rosie P can be kept in the lifestyle of which she's accustomed. And it means that Quentin Rayner can get a haircut. There you go. So, yes. right, we're going to thank the following. Uh, I'll be read Lonnie J. Bihar. Tracy Carroll. Julie Hodgson. Sean B. Fisher. Sarah Best. Joan Smith. Jane McCants. Mandy Belshaw. Miss C.A. Cox. Kathleen Anstey. Our lovely Glenn Fuller Love. There you go. So these are the people that don't do the Patreon, but they're smart enough to figure out how to do recurring payment on PayPal. So these people are proper clever. Proper, proper clever. Uh, Dumdydum.com, go there. It's got a shop. It's got awesome things. You can buy some kit and caboodle. And actually, somebody bought a baby grow uh, last week. Uh, so, so, so well done for you. I don't know if you're a new mum, new aunt, or just like, you know, uh, just buy, buying it for a friend, but, but awesome. Uh, a little baby grow and uh, there's going to be a little baba and they're going to be there maybe sucking at mum's teat or you know chowing down on some kind of mush that babies eat and uh, with dumby dum written all over their chest so that's most wonderful 
Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or leave a WhatsApp note to 07957-167-696, which if you're outside of the UK, you need to add a plus 44 to. So that is plus 44-7957-167-696. Uh, on Twitter, we have the Dum Dum team who are doing a great job. And do remember to use a capital T and capital A when you use the hashtag The Archers. Uh, so, Quentin Rayner, how can people catch up with you on the Twitters? You can find me at Quentin Rayner. That's Q U E N T I N R A Y N E R. How about you, Rosie P? Uh, you can find me at Porty Rosie, so P-O-R-T-Y-R-O-S-I-E. Don't forget, folks, uh, as well as the Twitters, we are big on the Facebooks and the Facebook group is doing great guns. If you're on Facebook, uh, quite simply type in Dum Dum and join the people. Thank you to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices and to Lucy B. Freeman. Uh, right, so that's just about us. It's the end of the show. I did a what, 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 great mix uh, yesterday, uh, which I'm bursting to put on the end of the show. But I feel that Rosie Porty and Quentin have other plans for the musical uh, outro. So what exactly are they? Quentin, did you go first? Well, the feeling is since we've continued to have such grim times on the arches, we need something to, to make us smile. So my suggestion, I feel, and it's a... It's a, a disc I used to spin in when I was a DJ in my early days um, on the radio was uh, Shanice, I Love Your Smile. Wait a minute. When were you a DJ? Were you playing like Glenn Miller and stuff? What decade was this, Quentin? <laughs> 80s, mate. The, the 80s, mate. 1880s? 1880s. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was spinning in wax cylinder, yes. <laughs> Go on, give me some shimmies. Take me, you'll take me back to my radio DJ days. Oh, right, we've got to hear Rose's suggestions first. And um, yeah, and, and and my suggestion. Um, so a, a lovely friend of mine, Yvonne, who is a trainee burlesque dancer, Ooh. which is pretty fabulous. Um, sent me an amazing song called "Rise Up" by Andra Day, and I think given all the the sort of collective trauma we've been going through listening to, it would be lovely given the week we've all been through together to have a wonderful, uplifting song to say goodbye to everybody on, and that is Rise Up by Andrea Day. Right, so here's the thing, right? I'm caught here because, like, yesterday, I think I did one of my best remixes ever. So um, I'm a big fan of Kraftwerk, and I love Tour de France. And being as we had a French caller in her uh, on, on this week's episode, I feel like, oh, that'd be in keeping with that. So I did a mix with uh, Tour de France, Incognitos, always there, looping around the baseline. And then we have Buju Banton, what like a champion, talk like a champion, ba da ba da ba dum bum. And we had a bit of him and Shaka Khan. So I could just call, like, you know, executive privilege and go to everybody's suggestions and put my own one on the end. So only you, listener, know what I've done because underneath my dulcet tones, you can hear a bed of music to play you out. Goodbye. Ta-da a bit. Doodle pip. That's the end of Dumb to Dumb. We'll see you all again in seven days' time.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.